Along the journey and how we rise up, we will experience a little thing I call cluberty together. Find our sweet spot and planting our seeds to watch them grow in our magic garden. I'm Uncle Dave and our transformation starts right here. Hey now, and how are you doing? Welcome to the next episode of Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat. Today we're going to bring another Havener out there, uh, one of the co-founders of Havening, Dr. Stephen Rudin. So I'd love to just introduce you. We're still kind of on the aftermath of the Worldwide Havening Conference where I spoke, and Steve just continues to give us some more gems. So I can't wait to hear what we're going to hear today. Hey, Steve, how's it going? Going well, David. Thank you. All right, no problem. I, I know we spoke a little bit before, but the conference was amazing. It just is amazing the type of energy, the amount of people who wanted to be part of this, you know, Canvas of Love. How'd you get that name, Canvas of Love? How- uh, it was developed by Fee. Okay, so <laughs> as as most of everything is, right? It, yes. Developed by, by Fee. I, 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 I have a good time doing this. <laughs> It's an easier way to live life. I know, you know, if you, you know, you've been married long enough to to say, yes, dear, I get it. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, you know, coming up with the canvas of love. I mean, that was one of the reasons why, uh, you know, when when I was approached to to speak, I was like, yeah, I, I all I want to do is go give peace and love, and uh, you know, it was a nice way for me to come back into being embraced. That's why I started off my speech with uh, welcome. I wanted to make sure that we were welcoming back from lunch. It was right after lunch break and uh, doing that. How'd you like the flow? I, I thought the flow was really great uh, throughout the whole three-day conference. It was a very rapid-fire conference. <laughs> and um, you had us. <laughs> there was a lot of information given over short periods of time but what happened was, interestingly enough, it was so good continuously that instead of turning people off, people stayed longer because they didn't want to mix, mix, miss the next half hour. So it was just that I thought, I thought the flow, I thought, I thought at the end of the day, um, there was very little that I would have changed about how it went. Maybe, you know, some small tactical things that, but that's always an improvement. And truthfully, David, something like this has never been done before. You know, and, and I, th- I think the, the flow was fine. Uh, I know at the end of the days, you know, most times after a long conference, you're wiped uh, as a as a participant. Or, and uh, I, I have to say, there was more energy because at each stage, you you, you learned something new. It was energizing, and uh, it was it was really well done. Thank you. Yeah, no, the, the flow was great, and, and you had some really big speakers. Uh, this year, you know, normally it's just people within the community or people who are looking to come in the community. This year, I know you had two huge speakers, uh, Dr. Daniel Amen and Dr. Matei, Gabor Matei. Uh, all, all of those things are, are parts and parcel. It, 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 first of all, we had Judith Prager. I mean, we had, I mean, really every single presenter, whether you're big or small, and at these levels of uh, these types of wonderful people, their stories are universal. 
And, you know, when people who are celebrities, let's put it that way, uh, when celebrities are available and it helps people give a different point of view, they, they think about things a little differently. However, it's really all the people that there were so amazing. The stories and, and, and their tactical approaches and their strategic approaches and what they've thought about that, yes, when we have people that are, are known to more people, it is interesting for some. But my view is everyone had a great story and they told it perfectly. Oh, yeah. No, every story was told differently. And that's the beauty of life is hearing people's stories. And that's what connects us more. Uh, you know, again, with your canvas of love, it's not just one color, it's multicolors, and that's the beauty of Havening. So using the canvas of love, what has been the most colorful things for you in, in terms of the Havening process over the years? Most of the time I've been, um, uh, most of the time I feel like I am building the airplane as it's flying. <laughs> no fooling. And um, things are growing, and, and we're seeing changes, and new operational issues come up. And, and oh, I, this, it's so, to a large degree, I view it as a, a flight in progress. So each, each day, each, there, are, there are so many things that are going on uh, that when the time is right, it, they'll be known and things like that, that um, it's just an exciting time to see what a good idea can do. Because all this is is an idea. Well, it's a little bit more than an idea now. Let's... now well, well, if we go back to the beginning, mm -hmm. and it was my brother and I and Irene Hajisaba going, I wonder what happens when I rub your forehead... You know, so things have come, uh, and then, oh, so we're going to tell people that their worst fears, their biggest traumas, and their emotional stuckness are going to disappear in 15 minutes by you humming a tune and me rubbing your own. <laughs> how's that going to work? How's, how's that going to go over, David? No, I, I know. I, I keep saying my, my joke is... Yes, I'm going to heal you by touching yourself in a special way. And, you know, people look at me and, and they're like, what? I go, I promise. I'm not going to touch you in a special way. You're going to touch yourself, which doesn't sound any better, but it's all true. And they're like, what are you talking about? And I go, show it. And then you start talking to the little bit of science that I explained to them. And they're like, <laughs> okay, I'll try it. And then we, even if you just get them to relax, you go, see, you relaxed. And, <laughs> you know. So how did you and Ron, I know we, we had interviewed Ron and we released the episode. How did you, Ron and Irene, just come down and say, okay, let's try not to laugh about this, but let's really create this thing. How Plant those seeds. Ron and I have done many projects together over the years. When Ron told me about what he had, was thinking about, I said, okay, off we go. So it, that's, that's an interesting question. I, I, I think in, in, in many ways, um, Ron's insatiable curiosity about things drove him to delve into the biological aspects of it. And that he and I would then talk about this thing every night 
for five years. <laughs> Two, maybe six, every night for hours. And we were in the beginning, we, we were getting outcomes, but we, truthfully, David, we, we didn't have all the science at the time. It wasn't even available uh, in the literature. But, you know, we were just, you know, trying, as I said, building the plane as we were flying. So, you know, it reached a point when we got a, a reasonable semblance of um, um, an idea. And I said, okay. Well, Ron said, okay. I don't, you know, it's a while ago. And it's possible Ron gave the first one or I gave the first one. They were right around the same time, probably around 2011. And it was very, most of the thing was just about whatever science we knew because, you know, we didn't think anyone was going to believe us anyway. <laughs> and uh, and then we uh, we had people do it for a little bit. And, and then, you know, one person said, oh, let me see what happens if I went on. So it was a very, uh, in, uh, it was, as you would put it, uh, we planted some seeds and the, there were people who said, this is a very interesting flower that's coming up. Let me follow it. Accidental in many ways. We, they, I don't think we followed any traditional path to um, doing this. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes that's where magic happens, is, is by not following the traditional path and going outside of your box. Well, Ron and I, didn't, we were both doctors. We have no traditional path about this. <laughs> Well, by, by your medical training, you at least understood the science behind this as the, some of the literature, as you started reading some of the literature. Did you? Oh, yeah, we were able to understand, we were able to understand the, the science, but, you know, it, it's not just the science, understanding the science. It's the, one of the things that happened was we initially thought that... Um, these events were uh, entrained by similar to Pavlovian conditioning. Mm, okay. uh, condition response, condition response, condition response. Uh, uh, well, it's an unconditioned stimuli, you know, yep. yeah, unconditioned stimuli response. Anyway, or conditioning. Anyway, um, the, and about three years in, we realized that to de-link a Pavlovian training took hours. This was happening in minutes. So there reached a point where we had to say, something's wrong here. And then we went looking elsewhere. So all these investigations and how you look at literature and what's available at the time and, and how to pull a, a universal thread out of the data is really the, the understanding of, of research in that, in that degree. Yeah, no, I can imagine looking at all the data. That's the part because it's not the same. If you're looking for the same data, you're going to get the same information. But here you were seeing results within minutes versus hours or, or, or longer for, for, some, for some traumas. Yeah, the, fundamentally, the clinical outcomes were not in alignment with the biological pinnings of what we were working on. Yep. There was a disconnect. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that had to be the most exciting things at the beginning. And then as you started building it, as I, I, I spoke, the first time that I 
uh, met you was at my first conference in 2015, and mm-hmm. you're telling me you have this Mercedes Benz, this top notch car, uh, which I still say it is, and you know you can't wait to show it to the to the world and have all these little centers uh, around the country and now around the world. I mean, you really are a worldwide phenomenon. Yes, and it, but it is it is. Not by it is by everyone's hands that that is that way. Yeah, and that's what I was going to you know lead to is you have so many great people who have volunteered their time and efforts. So it's not necessarily the same thing that you had when you first started, you know, thirteen years ago. It's it's grown in ways that you probably had never even thought of. None, right? Exactly. And but we're now in the cognitive phase of it. <laughs> well, well, now you you've now I have to do, I have to do a little more thinking about it. But you know, now I have people that can help me think it through a little bit better because you know it it, it there's a lot to consider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of responsibility. I mean, to have something like this, and to of course we know that so many people go through that challenge of trauma, as well as it's not only about trauma, right? It's all about improvement in a lot of different ways. And to have that kind of elixir and not share it, it's almost uh, would have been a crime. I've been called criminal before, but <laughs> not recently. Yeah. No, but you you guys were definitely were willing to share it and, and learn it and, and build it out a little bit. What, what's been one of the things that you're most proud of uh, about how you've built it out? I, I think there are a few things, a few things. One, um, we had to make a lot of early decisions um, in how early decisions for long-term consequences. So one of the decisions we had to make is that we were going to make this available to all people regardless of licensure. So healthcare licensure. Mm-hmm. So it became a, a very uh, accessible modality, which I think to this day has served our organization well because many of the people who are so brilliant in it are, are not necessarily licensed healthcare professionals, but they're brilliant in other ways. They bring unbelievable other skill sets. The second thing that I was a fundamental decision was to not create a hierarchical system of practitioners, master practitioners, ultra ma- uh, uh, practitioners, magis- magical. So, and we kept that every all practitioners um, are at the same. Um, found this, they have these foundational. And what we see has happened is some of the practitioners have uh, went off and have specialized. So in uh, childbirthing or in uh, crisis control or in first responders or in these areas. And, and I think over time, you know, we're seeing some people developing some certification programs in those areas. So Somewhere in the future, we'll be able to have uh, a specific thing for uh, midwives. And if you want to be a midwife havener, 
instead of taking one certification course, you may take another avenue. So these things are coming down the road. They're being driven by some brilliant people and uh, they're, they're learning how to manage this and teach this to their people. So it's a lot of it's an ongoing process. Well, it's each practitioner is kind of own owns their own way that they're using it. I, you know, I'm sure you guys are going to make sure that if it was under the havening umbrella, you're going to have, you know, doctors teaching, you know, birthing procedures, not uh, untrained medical professionals who want to have it. You know, like I know I couldn't speak about, you know, mental health uh, as a therapist. I could talk about it as a mentor or as a coach. I, I think that the construct, the other, there are other some constructs. Try to stay within your um, practice. Yep, I, I, always, I always say stay within your lane. You know, pretend it's like a swimming yeah. lane. Stay in your right. lane. And, and, and understand. And and the fourth thing that alt, that created the community was <clears throat> that we're all here to help each other, <clears throat> and that. Um, that we, I, I really felt that um, this was not going to be a place for me where I would have to monitor anybody or any, anyone. Mm-hmm. So we set in place a, uh, a philosophy of sensitive and constructive approaches to talking with each other and learning and coming forward that's been adopted by the community and they want, and the community then over time wanted to accept that as their model because it helped them all learn. So now we have a community that's internally highly respectful, honors the work that they are doing and everybody's doing. So everyone doesn't have to be um, discussed. We just all understand that this is in everyone's enlightened self-interest that we approach it this way. Let's talk about your peace and love. Uh, you were talking about right before here was a little bit golf. So I know that's one of the peace and love of your life. How does that, uh, how, how do you find the balance between all the stuff that you do? I mean, you just re- recently retired as a very highly successful dentist and uh, one of the co-creators of Havening. And uh, how's that affecting your golf game, the retirement piece? <laughs> It's negatively impacting the golf game, but but you know that's just part of a that's just part of the journey, you know. So you know, I have my awards of my when I was really a good golfer up on the wall. So at least I can remind myself that I've been a has been, even though I want to be now. <laughs> but but anyway, um, so you need to do outcome behaving a little bit better then. Yeah, I, I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm working on it. So. Are you are you asking me where how those things exist in my life at these moments and sure how how you know it's a it's an open ended question in that any way you want to share peace and love in your life it, it would be a great way I mean I see in the picture behind there your picture of your grandson <laughs> so I'm sure that that brings uh, you know and your family so I'm sure that brings a lot of peace and love to you as well you know it's funny. I, I take I come from the place I, I've had a very interesting life, David. I've had the opportunity <clears throat> to interface with a quarter of a million people over fifty years on a very close basis. 
And, and that gives you a perspective when in being in the presence of people who are most vulnerable and um, uh, scared and things like that. It's, it's just um, allows you to become very aware of the person that's standing in front of you and what, what they're presenting and try to create that space. So it, from <clears throat> those years, those 50 years of learning that, I've learned two fundamental things. One is that I place my position um, energetically, we can say, or psychologically, whatever way you want to place it, that I am here to receive this person in any way that they present to me. And I've, that's been, I've been a quarter of a million times. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. Uh, I loved how you said how you receive that person because most people don't really look at that way. Yes, and there's a second part to that. And that is that people have a misconception and a serious misconception that they are expecting love. And that's a, a totally long-term impossible situation to create. But the answer is, or the, the strategic approach is, is that you enter into everything, bringing love to that situation, and then allowing that person to reflect that feeling back to you. I do not want to, in, in that sense, um, create a situation where I like this person because of the way they love me, because they may change the way they love me, and then I won't love them anymore. That's how divorce happens. But if I come from a place where I bring love to the situation, and they're able to reflect that love, and I'm able to receive that love, that works all the time. I get it. And uh, what I'm really loving is, uh, I think you might know, I use a lot of R's in my thing. It's one of my shtick things in that uh, I say that earth, you know, because when I talk about grounding, we ground ourselves in earth. And then if we live ourselves in our heart, we stay to our true authentic self. And there's always an R in your heart. Now, I'm sure there's a R in your heart, Dr. Rudin, uh, but you've also given us a couple of R words. Could you share your, one of your favorite R words? Rejoice. Awesome. What does that mean for you? That if we, uh, we, look, I'll be 75 on my next birthday. I could walk outside today because of where I am and wander amongst the trees and feel that I can be comfortable within myself in those moments and that I can connect to <clears throat> a, a, a a larger sense of this rather than being driven by anything else. And then you take that feeling and you apply it to every moment that you have. And so at the end of the joy day, I, whatever happens that day, I rejoice over the fact that I am healthy. Right now my children are healthy and that um, and my wife is healthy and the ones I love are healthy. And... Um, and it's funny, people think that, you know, when you get um, this age, that's what you think about. But at the end of the day, 
that's really the truth. And so I, my word with the R is rejoice. Yeah, no, I love that word. That's awesome. Uh, I always like to hear everybody's different take on the R word. And uh, that's great. I mean, you've, you've given us a lot of gems and a lot of seeds to plant knowledge of, uh, telling us a little bit about the background and things like that. Now, before, you know, I know it's a, about a half hour or so, so I'd like, you know, I, I want to be respectful of your time. What are some of the things that you had to unlearn to advance? What would you maybe make a suggestion for somebody who needed to unlearn something? I don't think I ever unlearned anything. I take lessons from my learnings, but it's not a matter of unlearning. Okay. I got you. Okay. And where do you see Haverding going right now for the next, let's say, five years? For the next year, even. You know, it, it, seems to, it seems to keep growing every year. Where do you see it growing next year? Well, we have some things in place, but I, I, I hesitate to um, um, uh, really, I mean, we're going to be doing things in research and in schools and in things like that that are just going to be absolutely remarkable. So we don't know, you know, those are more at the strategic level as we see strategies develop and things like that. But there is, uh, David, I, I, I think that what we've described, more than Ronald we're not really super important in this, truthfully, is that we are in a time and a paradigm of our civilization that when the stressors of the civilization have caused our systems to turn on themselves, like our systems or our music, whatever you know the case may be, <clears throat> that this particular modality, which is an ancient, ancient fundamental human modality, it's, it's the most fundamental human modality, will come back into use so people can use it to, to, care for, to self-care. Because at the end of the day, it's all going to be about self-care. Because the, the, the answer is there, <clears throat> there aren't enough practitioners in the world to care for the people in the world. So the fundamental approach will have to be a highly scalable construct, which people will then learn to self-care. And they'll self-care their children, they'll self-care their relatives, they'll self-care the, their loved ones, they'll self-care uh, their uh, teachers and the students. And these things are really what, if I were to look at the, the biggest of all pictures, that people come to understand the use of our intrinsic capacity to regulate our systems, return us to homeostasis, and sometimes uh, make ourselves a little bit more self-acceptance then I think that, if I were to look at it, that is the ultimately biggest picture. How that takes shape is going to happen well after I'm gone. Oh, let's hope not. Uh, let's hope you, uh, you know, I mean, because when you were talking about self-help, I have to tell you, that's one of the biggest things for me is the self-havening, is knowing that I can have control over myself to regulate and do what I need to do. Uh, I, I think that's was even more powerful than some of the havening techniques that I had learned 
when it was uh, being done on me uh, as uh, I'm not just a hair club president. I'm, you know, uh, you know, so it really is a situation of learning how to, ha- and that's why when I teach clients, I, I teach them how to self haven because I think that that's more important. I'm not with them 24 seven and nor do I want to be, but you know, they need to learn how to self regulate as they get through the various situations that they need to. What do you think about that? Totally. Okay. Uh, you have 168 hours a week. If they're seeing you one hour a week, they have 167 hours. So then, and 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 certainly in you know in the coaching world, and I'm an ICF ACC coach. I've gone through all the training and NYU graduate coaching degrees and stuff like that. But you know, bringing people through coaching and and things like that. Um, <clears throat> Havening just adds uh, a really significant uh, biological approach to the cognitive ideas that have been used uh, for years. Yeah, it's that, it is really the truth of that mind-body-soul combination. And you can't just do one thing without the other two pieces. Because it's like that, you know, it's like a pyramid. You can't have one part or it'll fall on itself. I, I, I think that to allow people to have self-agency and understand that they can change and they could choose when they change, how they change at the rate they change, but they can grow and change. It's probably the most powerful message at the end of the day. Uh, that, for me, that's what it is. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I was going to ask you, what would be your final message? So do you have a final message to be besides that last one? <laughs> I think, <clears throat> I think, um, I'll just share one of the guiding lights that I I was given to me by my mentors at a very young age. And and, um, it was uh, given to me, and it was about this guy named Dr. Hans Selye, S-E-L-Y-E. And he was a Canadian, he was a Hungarian, actually he was a Hungarian Jewish doc that emigrated to Canada, and became a professor at the university in the late 1940s and early 1950s, and and did a, the pioneering work on understanding the construct of stress. I mean, what he was able to bio, uh, um, biologicize this. He was able to understand the physiology of of stress in ways that people didn't understand before. And in the late 70s, when I studied with him, he talked about the construct of altruistic egotism. And that is fundamentally that in my enlightened self-interest, if I can help you become what you're capable of becoming, I become safer. So if, if people all who are listening to your thing take the position with all the encounters they make, that their goal after leaving that encounter, that person feels better about themselves when they first met you. And that when you meet them again, they will recall that moment. And then this is replicated at every moment with every uh, relationship and moment that you have. You build up a wellspring of safety and then people who would like to be in your presence and you can receive them and give them love and they will give you back love. And over time, David, this is how companies are built. It's a matter of offering your oneself 
to lock arms and move forward together in a way. Yeah, you build that trust, you build that peace and love, and you move forward. And that's the, the sort of the goal. Uh, that, that's that was the part that I, I shared with you uh, was helpful for me as being part of your conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, that beginning part when I was saying welcome because it was uh, something that I needed to hear and uh, it, it was very welcoming. And like I said, I, I'm still on the kind of the buzz from it all. Uh, and this is uh, almost a week away, a, a, a week past. So uh, thank you so much for your time, for all the energy that you, you, you've put, because I, I know there's no dollar figures and stuff like that. And that's not what you're in, in it for, but you're, just have put together something that's really so amazing, a, a technique that people have grown. And, you know, one of the things that you've done is just kind of made it all go. And uh, I want to say thank you so much because it couldn't have been done without you and obviously your brother. Absolutely. And the help of every single person in the community, everything there, every person that took the course, every person that went on to become certified, every person that sees their world in a different way. Ron, I'm telling you, I I believe that Ron and I may be uh, figureheads, but the way something like this grows from the the foundation up, and we have, as you said, some uh, very amazing people in this world who are doing amazing things. And right now, Ron and I just help when we can, but it's the, the... the bricks that are being placed in the ground by amazing people. And they'll come, oh, look at my brick over here. And I go, wow, that's really amazing that you're doing that. And we start trying to build um, this beautiful castle of, of, of ideas and, and uh, community to be invited into the world. We have to be invited into the world. You can't you have to, the world has to come and you, you need to be ready to receive them. So not only is it on a personal basis, but on, on, a, on a constructual philosophical basis, we will embrace, we will give out this love. We will give out our love and our understanding. We will be ready to receive their reflective understanding and then we'll make it grow. Wow. We're going to end it on that. And the, one other thing I just want to suggest is you just said the Castle of Ideas. There's your, con, there's your new conference name for next year. <laughs> Especially, Thank you. I, I think you guys mentioned, uh, Feliciana had mentioned, Feliciana had mentioned uh, that you're going to be in Ireland. So I guess you know, that would be a great place for castles. <laughs> I, I, I presented in, in Ireland with uh, Steve Travers. And Dublin is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful city. And um, it, it's we, we hope to have that happen. We call it, well, it's all depending upon what happens in the world. Mm-hmm. But in conferences that were before, when the the, the tribe got together, and when we actually were uh, in in vivo, so to speak, mm-hmm. it, it it was just great. It was just, we just would have a blast. All right, awesome. So, so I, I wish you a blast in, in everything that you do and continuing the, the ideas and the beauty of havening. I, like I said, to me, it's one of the, the better techniques because it's quick. It is life-standing. You don't need a, a recharge. You don't need a, uh, you know, once you're cleared, you're cleared. It, it really is amazing. And for all those who just make sure you always focus on peace and love. And if you have to bring a bat, 
don't do any damage. And as Dr. Rudin said, leave nobody, un- leave them everybody better than when you first got them. So that way you could build and move forward. So just have a great day and thank you. I am really glad that you're enjoying the show and I hope you follow us on all the podcast hosting sites as well as Facebook, Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat. Or you can follow me, Uncle Dave, David Chemetsky, at Facebook, Instagram, Clubhouse, and www.davidchemetsky.com. I also would enjoy for you to contact me if you want to just have some feedback. You need somebody to talk to at peacelovebringabat at gmail.com. Well, my friends... Today's journey has come to a close. I hope the seeds of peace and love continue to grow for each one of you. Remember the peace and love surround you that will assist you to rise again. And don't forget to bring a bat for what you believe in. Namaste. Namaste.